Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is the show that we champion entrepreneurs. Everybody that's got the guts to get out there and have a shot. And we try to provide you with the information that you need to be successful. So it doesn't matter whether you're an entrepreneur at at the early stage of your business or whether you're a rank startup or you're heading into profit. We're heard at the same time around the world every week. And the most rewarding part of doing this show is um, the great feedback we get. And the fact that I get to meet and to interview some of the most exciting people on the planet. And I think that's what being an entrepreneur is all about. It's um, exciting and interesting, has its ups and downs and its challenges. But um, in the end, it's worthwhile, even if you're not an enormous success. So I'm going to begin today's show with a piece of advice from a number of of extremely successful entrepreneurs. And I think each of the quotes that I've selected provide great advice, not only for startups, but for all entrepreneurs and business executives at all levels of the food chain. The first piece of advice concerns coming up with the idea. Dane Atkinson from Sumall has what I think is an exceptional piece of advice that unfortunately... Far too few entrepreneurs heed. Dane says, try to pick the very smallest change you can make to what's in the market and then do that really, really well and only then build on other things. I've seen it over and over and over and over again where entrepreneurs develop something and then they try to develop too many bells and whistles to go with it and end up failing. Today, you need to get your product completed to a stage where it's sellable, then get out there, get into the market, and add all the bells and whistles later on. The second quote I think is brilliant, and in today's social media age, it's critical to success. Brian Chesky from Airbnb says, Build something that a hundred people absolutely love, not something that one million people kind of like. You know, you cultivate one devotee with 200 Facebook friends, and those 200 each have 200 Facebook friends, and so on and so on, and now you have a business. I um, heard a great story from a person who knows Lady Gaga um, the other day who said that Lady Gaga's got started with eight really strong devotees selected around the world and provides them with the information and they provide that to their circle, etc., etc. So has used eight devotees to get to where she is. The third quote that pertains to coming up with the idea comes from Martha Stewart, of all people. Stewart says, I think people with real entrepreneurial spill it Spirit. I think people with a real entrepreneurial spirit who can face difficulties and overcome them should absolutely follow their desires. It makes for a much more interesting life. I agree with that entirely. The second piece of advice concerns assembling a team, which is bloody difficult, and all entrepreneurs face this. The first quote is from Seth Godin of Yo-Yo Dine, and of course, Squidoo. And Godin says, if you're boring, no one wants to connect with you. And if you're boring, no one is going to pay extra for you. How true is that? One of the great things about being an entrepreneur is the fantastic, interesting, and often kind of eccentric people that you come across. But that's what life makes that's what makes life interesting. The second quote pertaining to building a team is from Gil Elbaz from Factual. Gil says, even if it takes a while to find the right person, 
it's certainly worth holding out until you do. It's really easy to hire the wrong person and that can make the difference between success and failure. The third quote about building a team is from Katie Beauchamp from Birchbox who says, we look for those who thrive in an environment of having ownership. The third segment concerns dealing with failure. And the first quote is from James Dyson, who says, success is not always as enjoyable as you might think. When something is a success, the results are clear. Failure is an enigma. You worry about it, and it really teaches you something. Another quote I love is also from Dane Atkinson at Sumall. And Dane says, if you're failing, it's not because you, your manager didn't give you the right budget or somebody else didn't do something. It's really because you suck and couldn't work out how to make the business work. And the final quote in this section, dealing with failure, is from Evan Williams who says, failure of your company is not failure in life. Failure in your relationships, however, is. And the final segment of quotes concerns keeping a work-life balance. Now, most entrepreneurs really struggle with this one because it's unbelievably difficult to achieve. And uh, there's a couple of takes on this. Sheryl Sandberg, the extraordinary CEO of Facebook, says, I walk out of this office every day at 5 p.m. and I'm home for dinner with my kids at 6. And interestingly, I have, do, I have been doing that ever since I had kids. Runs one of the most successful companies in the world. Goes home for dinner at 5 with the kids. Love it. The opposite side of the coin is from Martha Stewart, who says, my life is my job and my job is my life. And the final quote concerning work-life balance is one that really makes sense. Ursula Burns from Xerox says, take your entire life to find balance. You won't have balance on average over time. You will have balance on average over time, not just in a day or in a month. So you're going to have periods where your life is really skewed towards business And you'll have other times when you compensate for that with your regular life. I think there are some fantastic lessons in those quotes that we can all learn from. So how many of you, question, how many of you went to the movies at the weekend and saw Jobs with Ashton Kutcher? The answer is not many of you. It was on a hell of a lot of screens right across America and it bombed. It took a lousy $6 million and finished in sixth place in its first weekend of release. Now, I was one that thought, God, there's all these Apple devotees out there and they're all going to go to the movies and see jobs. Well, they didn't. They stayed away in huge numbers. I thought it would do better than the butler, but I was wrong. Jobs got massacred. And the butler came in at number one. Incidentally, if you haven't been to see the butler yet, you should. It has Academy Award written all over it. I reckon in every category. You know, I'm still seven months out from the Academy Awards or something, but I'll bet you that it gets a Best Actor nod. I'll bet it gets a Best Actress nod. And I'll bet you that it gets a Best Movie. You can take that to the bank. Now, did you catch the story during the week about Georgia Regents University in Augusta, Georgia? Well, they managed to spell the word college incorrectly on their diplomas. They put three L's in college, C-O-L-L-L-E-G-E, on their diplomas. Can you believe that? A student eventually spotted the error and alerted school officials, which led to the diplomas being reprinted. Now, with tuition fees at Georgia Regents that run up about $45,000 a year, you would think that somebody in the joint would be able to spell. Apparently not. Now, a few weeks ago, 
we mentioned the experiment in the UK with drones delivering pizzas. Of course, with no traffic and flying above the fray, delivery's incredibly quick, ensuring that your pizza arrives quickly and absolutely piping hot. Now, there's an article this week from the Marshall School of Business which explains that today, through the internet, buyers can search for what they want, find the exact products that fit their needs, compare prices online, order products 24-7 without ever getting off their fat asses. So you can do all of that without getting off the lounge. The problem is that you either have to wait for the packages to be physically sent to you or you've got to go somewhere to pick them up and go through the hassles of time and traffic and gasoline at four bucks a gallon, parking and a whole bunch of other things that are bloody inconvenient. Well, of course, today we have the answer. In fact, we've really got two answers. The first is drones and the second one is 3D printers. So let's look at drones first. We're not talking about those pilotless planes that fly over unsuspecting third world countries, blasting away and killing a whole bunch of unsuspecting peasants in their villages. We're not talking about those ones. We're talking about much friendlier drones. Currently, you can buy drones online for less than 300 bucks. You can control them with a smartphone and a Wi-Fi. Of course, you can get bigger drones that can handle much larger payloads, fly for hours, and sync with surveillance systems on the ground. Now, these are going to cost you about 20000 bucks. However, they're perfectly capable of delivering, delivering product directly to your door. So somewhere outside your front door, you have a little helipad, and the drone lands on the helipad, drops off the parcel, and off it goes. Now, that's pretty cool. Currently, the commercial use of drones is illegal. However, Congress has asked the FAA to develop rules for integrating drones into commercial airsprays by 2015. Well, that's only two years away. And, of course, not the one thing that is amazing. Can't you imagine them flying through the sky at night with neon ads all over them? So those enterprising advertising types will plaster these things with ads. (laughs) How cool is that? The second answer is 3D printers, which are now being rapidly advanced for delivery of product. So what you do, the way it works, you order your products by the internet or on your smart TV or your smart watch and all your other smart devices, and your 3D printer will then make the products in your office or in your lounge room according to where it's required. Of course, you'll have to store all the products that you need to print your order, like whole bunches of plastic and a whole bunch of other stuff. However, these products can get flown in by drones. So now you can order, you can do the pricing, you can get it delivered and you and the stuff delivered and then make the products in your lounge room without ever leaving the couch. Of course, the big obstacles to implementing this highly efficient system will not be technology. That's the easy part. The difficult part will be the political, legal, and regulatory issues. You know, our politicians, I don't know whether you spend much time looking at politics, But our politicians are already struggling to try and get into the 20th century. God knows how long it's going to take them to get into this century and even longer to get a handle on what's happening in the future. But hopefully, commerce will prevail and we'll get these things without too much interference from politicians. A few weeks ago, We talked about the fact that corporations, education, health, government and all of the other institutions of society will be unable to withstand the technology revolution without undergoing unbelievable change. Now, this also applies to distribution and delivery. 
And, of course, it will have profound repercussions across all of society. You think about how many people are employed driving trucks to move stuff around or how many people are employed in um, dispatch centres at, at the big retail stores. And if you can just send stuff by drones and make it at home, wow, that is going to be an enormous change. Now, Facebook also recently revealed how its new news feed algorithm selects what content to show individual users. The visibility of your brand page depends on how often someone interacts with your page, how many of your friends have interacted with your posts, how often you have interacted with similar content in the past, and the type of posts you've frequented. So how can you help your content gain more visibility within this context? In short, be more engaging. You need to solicit feedback. Get people to talk to your brand. Choose your questions carefully and listen and reply to what your friends say in response. Secondly, you need to give people more of what they want. Determine which type of content solicits the most engagement from your fans and then provide it, preferably with photos and videos because they're the things that people more often than not will pass on to their friends. Now, don't forget, this program is all about you, the entrepreneur, or the small business person that's looking for tips on how to be more successful. That is what we are here for. That is all that we're here for. This show is dedicated to assisting entrepreneurs. So if you have a question, please don't hesitate to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com or for those rigidage Americans, bob at bobpritchard.com and we'll answer it on air or email you directly. You're listening to the number one show in the world on Radio for Entrepreneurs, the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on voiceamericabusiness.com. So no matter where you are in the world, we thank you for listening. Now, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the power of video content online. It is by far the most powerful way to communicate your message. Today's guest, after the break is Michael Litt, the CEO of Vidyard, which is a video marketing platform that helps marketers drive results. Now, with video being so powerful today, this is one guy you don't want to miss. He's a serial entrepreneur and the king of all things video online. I'll be back with Michael in the next segment. This is Bob Pritchard. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business. And I will be back in just a moment. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. 
Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business. Well, this is a segment of the show where we speak with people who have achieved great success and who are really working to improve the lives of those of us in business. This program's all about entrepreneurs. That's the whole focus of the program, and we've spoken very frequently about the power of video content in developing your brand and selling product these days. It's become a critical tool in your marketing armory. Well, today's interview, we've cracked the jackpot. Michael Litt is a serial entrepreneur, and he's also the CEO of Vidyard, which is a marketing platform that helps marketers drive sales and drive results with video content. Vidyard enables you to add video to your website in minutes, get real-time analytics, syndicate video to social networks and YouTube, create calls to action, optimize search engine hits, capture leads, and brand your player skins all from one place. In other words, it makes using video easy. Michael also works as a mentor with a number of entrepreneurs and startups. He's not only passionate about the power of content marketing and online video, but he's a thought leader, and he can't be all bad. He's a surfer. He's described as a jack of all trades with the ability to do everything from implementing code to developing a sales process. He not only mans the ship at Vidyard, he is currently a member of Communitech's board of directors. When Michael's not in Waterloo, he's travelling worldwide talking about all things video marketing. So he knows all about being an entrepreneur, and he knows also all about marketing with video. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Thanks for having me. Now, before we get into why video's been such a boon to marketing online, let me just ask you a question about the presentation you gave at TEDx. <laughs> Many Absolutely. Of you- Many of the entrepreneurs that I speak to get disillusioned when they fail, and I thought they might get some motivation out of your presentation. Why you need to fail to have a great career? What do you mean by that? Yeah, it's a great question. So one of my closest mentors uh, is a gentleman named Larry Smith. Um, He's a professor at the University of Waterloo in economics, and he teaches a course for kind of fourth-year engineering students to kind of give them more perspective on global economics um, as well as what they can do to kind of go their career. So he had done a talk at TEDx Waterloo um, on why you will fail to have a great career. And so my talk was kind of the sequel to that, um, which is why failure is so important to understanding maybe your limitations, um, understanding market opportunities, understanding how to employ people, all the things that kind of lead to entrepreneur failures um, to become better and obviously succeed in the future. Right. So that was kind of the, the context of the talk. Yeah, I think it is important because I, I speak to a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who do get disillusioned. It's a pretty tough gig being an entrepreneur at the best of times. You know, the success rate's only a few percent and um, people, too many entrepreneurs that I meet think that if you've got a great product, and you um, open the doors, people are going to flood in, but you've actually got to run a business, and running a business is bloody difficult. Yeah, it's much more than, than just building a product. Um, we've recently hit something that I would, I would call product market fit, meaning that we have you know a bunch of customers that love the product, are getting value out of it, um, but that's not nearly enough because obviously you need to build your sales channels, you need to build your marketing engine, and, you know, what you really need to do in the early days is what I call selling Bibles. And it's going door to door, knocking on people's doors, telling them what you do. You're getting a lot of doors slammed on you, but you're also going to open um, a ton as well. And once you've done that, you've got to build your marketing process, hire out your engineering team. And, you know, the challenges just come one after another, and they never stop. Um, and entrepreneurs' ability to succeed is just based on, you know, the experience they have, uh, the in their network, the experience, experience those challenges you're facing before, 
it's uh, it's really an incredible journey, um, and every everybody's journey is very different. Yeah, it's it, it's um it's interesting that today um, I think that everything hap- is happening so quickly, and people are. You know, a singularity university says we're less than one percent into the technology revolution. We got ninety nine percent to go. So if you think it's been fast up to now, <laughs> you know, fasten your seatbelts because um, the next ninety nine percent is going to come in the next twelve to fifteen years, and it's going to be just a blindingly fast um, acceleration of change. So I was having a discussion with my son, who's um, marketing at. Um, George Washington University, and he was saying that he thought the ideal solution was to have a CEO that's a a Musk or a or a Jobs or somebody that's a visionary that's not about running the company, and you have like a COO who actually runs the company. What do you think of that? Philosophy? Yeah, and it's a, it's a great question, and it's a wonderful philosophy. I, I think if you look at all the big organizations, there's the Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Yeah. Um, there was Bill Gates and his right-hand man. Same thing with Larry Ellison and Oracle. And often you don't even know you know, the individual's names. They're actually the heroes behind the scenes running the organization. Yeah. But it's very easy to get locked up in the finances of an organization and the hiring process. As a CEO um, and as you know, one of the leaders of Vidyard, uh, I have you know a team around me that's very supportive. So our CFO is Matt Hodgson. He makes sure there's you know all the being there in the bank account, all the tax uh, stuff is being taken care of, so that I don't have to worry about that. Devin, my co-founder, takes care of all the engineering side and a lot of the operations of the business. So I really only have three focuses. Um, the first one is: Are we hiring the right people? And can we retain? Yeah, can we retain the right people? Are we finding the smartest people for the job? Um, the second one is: Are we being as innovative as possible? What's coming down the pipeline? What are new technologies that we can leverage to improve our product? Um, what are new technologies we can build to improve our product? The last one is: Do we have enough money to hire the right people and, and kind of stay competitive, and innovative, and, and kind of on the bleeding edge? And so, it's nice to have people to help you know, with those first two items so that I yeah. can just focus on innovation. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, so let's talk about um, your project. Um, so where did the idea for a video marketing platform come from? Great question. So in third-year university, uh, Devin and I started a company called uh, Redwoods Media to make videos for... Uh, primarily technology businesses in the Fortune 500 space. The reason why we saw this opportunity was because we both worked at BlackBerry and we had contracted the same company to manufacture a number of videos to explain the installation procedure for some pretty complex pieces of software. And the projects were very expensive and the quality of the content really wasn't that good. And so we got thinking, this is an opportunity for us to improve this process uh, and build a business and kind of change the world's perception and how they use video to both purchase and, and kind of drive awareness um, in one shot. And what happened was <clears throat> all of our customers wondered what to do with that video after we produced it. And at the time, the options were YouTube, Vimeo, um, a company called Uyala, and another yeah. business called Brightco, uh, which were much more expensive um, than obviously YouTube or Vimeo, which were free, but had their own issues and recommended content. Um, you're probably familiar with the YouTube rabbit hole. When you finish watching a video, there's all these suggested videos. They could be competitive. They could be Tom's riding skateboards, and next thing you know, 10 hours have passed, yeah. and you forgot where you came from. So we built a very simple platform that solved those needs. It was $20 a month, and it allowed you to host the video on your website, yep. uh, as well as provided a white-label player um, that didn't have any of those distractions. It was branded to match your, your website's needs. And communicating with Larry Smith um, and a few other mentors and advisors, you know, we started thinking around what type of information can we pull from that viewing experience to improve the quality of our videos and essentially sell more content. And so we built an analytics engine. That was part of our fourth-year design project uh, at the University of Waterloo. They don't take any IP in, in, in the uh, IP and the code that you write as a student. And the demand for the white label video platform, as well as the analytics we could provide, 
which at the time didn't have any UI, soon exceeded the demand for video production itself. And we saw an opportunity emerging, um, albeit there was only wiggles of hope at the time, and decided to go full steam ahead uh, on the video platform itself, which is now Vidyard. Well, the, the, the analytics is critical, isn't it? It's, it's the and it's probably the one area that you don't think of when you're developing a platform like this. I've got I've got another question. Why is I grew up um, and did communication courses where you talk about NLP and you say um, you know forty percent of the population, for example, is visual and sixty percent isn't. So when you uh, are doing a marketing campaign or whether you when you're presenting to make sure that you do the touchy-feely bits for the, for the uh, kinesthetic people and you do the auditory bits for the auditory people, why is video content so... Why doesn't video content just work for 40% of the people? That's a great question. Uh, and I, I think it, it really comes down to the way people are nurtured today. Uh, you know, the, the transition between newspaper and written content... Uh, into humanity's addiction to television uh, can definitely be correlated to what's happening on the Internet. Yeah. 57% of all consumer web traffic this year was video-based. Yes. Uh, in another two years, Cisco is reporting it, it will top 80%. And so Netflix, YouTube, people consume video because it's much easier than, than reading text. Yep. And I think what, what people really look for is that lean-back experience where you know, you're being educated visually, uh, obviously, a video has the ability to, to communicate in many different ways through audio and, and visual forms, uh, and it's much easier to pay attention to something that's being said to you. Um, you don't necessarily have to work for video the same way you do for text. So I think that in itself is, is probably one of the driving factors. So why should um, businesses be investing? Does it work for all businesses? I mean, should all businesses now um, be investing in video marketing? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, you see some businesses doing really great jobs of that on the consumer side. Uh, obviously, um, Old Spice with their Old Spice campaigns on YouTube are kind of a mainstay. Everybody has seen those videos. Yes. And we all know about the concept of a viral video. But the reality is B2B brands, which is primarily what we work with, should also be investing in video. And it doesn't need to be something that goes viral or is incredibly entertaining. It needs to be educational because your customers are going to be looking for that type of content. They're going to be on YouTube, they're going to be on the web, and they're most, most likely to click that play button because it's, you know, it's one of the most compelling calls to action on the web. If you have a, a video search result um, that shows up in Google, and that's very easy to do with a, a tool like Vidyard, um, people are 55% are more likely to click that thumbnail because it is an image amongst a bunch of text. And it also has that play button uh, integrated directly into the search results. Right. Um, so it, it's difficult to show true ROI, true ROI from most marketing um, initiatives. It doesn't matter what it is. It's it's difficult. Is it the same with video? Or, or, how does that work? Yeah. So with video, um, and again, I don't mean to, to kind of keep plugging Vidyard, but this is exactly what we do. Uh, we can actually capture an individual's information as they watch a video. So we can do that a number of ways. We can pop up a lead form so they actually input an email address, and that email address gets associated with their viewing session. So we not only know, not only know how much of that specific video they watch, but we also know how they watched every single video in your library. And that information can be used to advise your sales and your marketing process. And with that data, you can actually drill down which videos are most likely to convert your purchasers. Because you know from your buying sodas and who you have in that database, what videos they watched, how much. So push those videos farther up the funnel um, and into your marketing process. So it's very clear and very easy to, to gather the ROI using that, that uh, technology. So you can, you can tell when somebody switches off, so th theoretically you know, um, well you can assume why they switch off, I guess, depending on where they switch off. 
Yes, and yeah, it's, it's easy to kind of predict, you know, what happened when you watch the company. If you had a long, boring intro, chances are you're going to lose about 15 to 20 percent of your audience within the first five seconds of that. Right. What you want to do though is make sure that you get roughly 40 percent of your audience through the entire piece of content, and then at the end of that piece of content, don't let the video fade to black. Have a call to action. So instead of you know recommended videos as YouTube would do, let's drive those customers to, to watch a tour. And let's drive them to yeah to sign something. Let's let's get a call to action in front of them and, and uh, make sure we're converting those really engaged individuals. What's the ideal length of a um, uh, marketing video? Yeah, so a video on your homepage. Uh, rule of thumb for us in, in our experience and what we tell our clients is roughly 90 seconds at most. That's generally the, the attention span they have. As you get deeper into the funnel, so into the tour on support pages, it doesn't really matter how long those videos are because people are seeking them out and they really want that information. Um, and what we can do is show you if people are skipping ahead. Um, so if they're seeking for something you know, further down the funnel, you'll know based on the data we provide. But the general rule of thumb is, is shorter is better uh, and simplify your message as much as possible. When we were producing video content, we had people that would, you know, we would, we would suggest a 90-second script. They'd take it back to the marketing team and, you know, 800 new buzzwords would be introduced to the script. And next thing you know, the read time is five and a half minutes. Yeah. That just isn't going to work because people don't, you know, have much patience for BS, so to speak. <laughs> well, but in that 90 seconds, what's the most important thing to get across? Is it the fact that you're, you listen to your customers, that you're open and got, you know, you're, what, what is that most important? Is it, the, is it the major benefit of your product? What, what's the one that hits the, tr hits the trigger so people um, look, for, look for further? Great, great question. Um, you know, it's... <coughs> Within a video, uh, it's you have an, you have the opportunity to really engage and display your, your company's culture and kind of why you're doing what you're doing uh, in a very brief amount of time in a really visually engaging way. And people don't necessarily buy what you do anymore; they buy why you do it. Yeah, absolutely. And so, if you look at the video on our homepage, uh, it's roughly 90 seconds long. Uh, it takes place on a beach. Um, it's fairly creative, has some kind of satirical humor, and really exposes the, the culture of our organization and what we're doing with that video to try to drive you know, an audience to purchase our product. Uh, so it's very important to kind of be lightweight. That, that first video people interact with shouldn't be full of technical jargon and, and detailed content. It should be a really high-level snapshot of the value you provide and it should get to that, that value statement as quickly as possible. Right. Well, it, does it matter? Is there a difference between a video that is um, um, filming me saying, hi, this is, this is who we are, what we are, or an animation or a cartoon? Is, are there any that are more effective than others or um, have yeah, more great. impact than others? That's a question that a ton of people have asked, and uh, traditionally, you know, if we had had this conversation two years ago, I would have said it has to be an animated piece of content. People hate talking heads. They don't want to be sold to. Let's create something really visually engaging, and that's because we were, we were selling animated videos. Right. Um, today, though, after you know, leveraging video content on our own product and also across our customers' pages, in the same way you want to display your culture and show people why you do it, you want to have people within your organization that customers will be interacting with in those videos. So you, people get this feeling of knowing that individual. They know the way they talk. And so when they're talking to them on the phone, they know exactly who they're talking to, what their facial expressions look like, and it creates that face-to-face -face expression because video literally is the next best thing to being there in person. Right. So I said, you know, video can be incredibly short. It does not need to be obviously a long thing and, and we've kind of gone through that. Um, so just sitting down with your iPhone or your webcam, recording a small snippet of you know what you do or what the goal of your meeting is or what the goal of your product is, is, is a very effective communication medium. 
So should you, before you produce your video, should you sit down and seek out all your competitors and, and look at their videos and see what they're about and then try to differentiate yourself? Or do you just rely on your own genuineness and, and benefits to shine through? It's incredibly important to keep an eye on, on what your competitors are doing, especially if they've you know, built a piece of content that people are talking about on Twitter, people are posting on Facebook, yeah. and identifying what are the, the tentpole events in that piece of content that people are really engaging with, and how can you do those things even better. I think that's a really great practice that everybody should go through, but ultimately, if you firmly believe that your organization's culture, your product, your beliefs, what you're doing is better, you should only really focus on what you do and, and what your company does. Um, that's obviously very, very simple advisory, but uh, you know it's important not to get too caught up in what your competitors are doing, uh, because then you look like a follower. Yeah. Um, and nobody buys followers; they almost they almost buy the leaders. So, so why are video analytics so important, and, and what should a business track? Yeah. So. Video content and creating video content and video content marketing is just like tweeting. It's just like uh, social networking and social media. It's just like inbound marketing. You don't create one blog post and sit on it for years and hope that it stays relevant. Just like you just you don't just make one tweet. I read me thousands of tweets. You should be making literally thousands of pieces of video content over the lifespan of your company. And analytics give you perspectives into what's working and what isn't. So. We talked earlier in this call about drop-off rates and viewer attention spans and how you can track that. If people aren't watching certain sections of your video, the next time you, you make it, you probably shouldn't include that content. It's not relevant. It's not resonating with your audience. So analytics give you really great perspective on how to recreate and build better video content and build a better library based on your audience's feedback. And the, the, the really unique thing about video that doesn't exist in social media or in down marketing is that you can actually track how much of the video people are watching and so you know exactly what they see. With a blog post, you have no idea what they've read, just how long they were on the page. And so they could have, you know, opened the page and walked outside and had a cigarette. Um, and you think they may spend 15 or 20 minutes with the content, but really they didn't. It was just an open title of the browser. With video, it's a very different experience. Yeah, and some people read it 80 words a minute, and some read it 300. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and video is always going to go at the same pace. So the, um, how often should you change your video? I mean, are you better to put it up there and have longevity, or are you better to um, regularly change it? Is another another very good question that we hear very often. Um, so we we try to build videos on our homepage for longevity. So we talked earlier about keeping the message simple and incredibly high level, and sticking with the highest level value proposition that your customers will resonate with yep. in 90 seconds or less. Okay. Chances are that's that's not going to change in your business. So if you do it right, and you can spend you know spend some money on that homepage video. You should be able to keep it there as long as it's relevant, as long as the, the content, the jokes, you know, the, the fashion styles, everything you use in that video is relevant. Once it starts to feel stale, and you'll know because you'll you'll start to get annoyed with it, or, or you'll feel maybe it's stale. That's probably when it's time to change it. Sure. But again, plan that that staple video as if it should be around for six months, um, and keep it high level. Don't get very specific. Don't talk about specifics of the platform or your technology, or your product or offering, because that might change. Okay, we're just about out of time, but what would be a ballpark um, estimate of the cost of, of preparing, say, you, your initial 90-second video? What, what sort of budget should our listeners um, allow for that? Those initial 90-second videos uh, I've seen done for $150 with content producers overseas, um, people internal. Uh, I've also seen those videos done for $150,000. I don't think you need to go to that scale. Um, I would spend somewhere between you know a thousand and ten thousand dollars on that homepage video. Your first piece of content, it's great to work with a team that explores your product, takes you through the storyboarding process, because from that you'll learn how to produce your own video content. Now, there's nothing wrong with you know sitting down with with iMovie 
in your iPhone, which records in 1080p, and capturing some product shots and people using it and write a really passionate script and using that as a voiceover. I highly recommend people try to do that even before they engage with an agency because then they understand the difficulties, but they also gather appreciation for what it's like to produce the content, but also the messaging that they'd want to provide. So, you know, again, I'd, I'd say rough budget between one and $10,000, but make sure you take a stab at it yourself first. Okay. Michael Witt, thank you very much for being on the program. It's been great to speak with you. I've actually learned quite a lot. Now, if you'd like to know more about Michael and Vidyard, go to Vidyard, V-I-D-Y-A-R-D.com. That's Vidyard.com. And this is Bob Pritchard. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business, and I'll be back in just a moment. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking. No bullshit business show that's coming to you this week, as we do every week, from my hometown of Los Angeles, the wonderful city of angels. Of course, it's the middle of summer here. And it's um, over 100 degrees. It's about 40 degrees centigrade. But it is beautiful, clear heat. As you know, this program's heard all around the world. Big audience in the United States and internationally. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate your support. I'm preparing to uh, give speeches in India, Dubai and Bahrain shortly. And I will make I bet that the questions I get during question time are exactly the same questions that I'll get in Los Angeles in a presentation that I'm doing, I think, the week after next. So no matter where you are in the world, you, everybody has the same issues, um, no matter where in the world they are or what the cultures are. So this is the segment where we address some of those. The first email this week is from Margaret Coleman from Long Island, New York, who says, Dear Bob, Love your program. Keep up the good work. I'm a dinosaur when it comes to social media, but I'm looking at using it because from what I'm reading, it seems to be producing great results for many businesses. My business is a clothing retailer that targets predominantly teenagers. We hear a lot about Facebook and Twitter, but what other social media sites are popular? Well, Margaret, thanks very much for your kind words. I really appreciate it. The latest Pew data shows that Facebook is still by far the most popular social network with its use, increasing from 93% to 94% the last 12 months. 94%, that's enormous. The second most popular social network, but a hell of a long way behind, is Twitter, whose use increased from 12% to 26%. Last year, Instagram has increased from practically nothing to 11% to be in third spot, while MySpace tanked from 24% to 7%. YouTube's on about 11, while Tumblr, Google Plus, and Pinterest 
occupy the next three slots, all with less than 5%. So Facebook, way, way ahead. Margaret, I hope this information's of help to you. Incidentally, if you have any doubt that Facebook is a great vehicle for brands, it's interesting to look at the most engaged brands on Facebook as of this current week. Number one is Coca-Cola, with over one million people talking about them. The following are Avon, Walmart, Disney and Samsung, all with more than half a million people talking about them. Now, that's serious engagement. If you put an ad in a newspaper, how many people would you get? Probably none. Thank you, Margaret. Tomorrow we'll post off a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, which is my latest book. And if you don't have a copy, you can pick up one at Amazon. And don't forget, it's also available as an audio book. So instead of sitting in the car listening to the news about how many people have been killed in some godforsaken place that you don't give a rat's about. Have a listen and improve your business skills. Now, the next email comes from Jenny McNamara, who also has a retail store. Jenny's email reads, Dear Bob, I really enjoy your show. We listen to it on the archives within a few days of broadcast. It's great to get the latest information on what's going on and terrific tips to help us improve our business in a brief one-hour session. It's important because we simply don't have enough time to read all the publications and try to keep ahead of things. Bob, my question is, can you give me some tips for in-store marketing using Facebook? Jenny, thanks very much. You know, we really try hard to make this show as information-rich as possible and get to as many emailers as we can fit in, and I'm really pleased that you're enjoying it. The latest research shows that about 40% of smartphone owners research products while they are actually in the physical store. So Jenny, this provides you with a great opportunity to promote your Facebook page and to build your database of prospects. There are three things you can do to get more in-store likes. Firstly, you can make it easy for people to like your page. So when you're putting signage in the store, don't just say like us on Facebook because then people are going to go and find you and it's not always easy to find people. So make it easy by putting on your signage your URL so that they can just go straight to you. People don't want to be going searching on Facebook for you, so make it easy. You can offer your fans exclusive discounts and deals. You can invite fans to sales and promotions and you can promote the hell out of the fact that you look after your fans. That is great promotion on your in-store signage. The second thing you can do is use Facebook Offers, which is a free, easy-to-use feature that lets you create and share discounts using Facebook's Ads Create tool. Fans get an email to bring your physical to bring to your physical location. So they get the email, they take that to your physical to the physical location, and they claim the discount. They can also share the offer within their own networks, spreading your brand awareness and attracting new customers for you. That's pretty cool. You've got to you know alert the in-store customers to your current Facebook offers. Tell them about it. You know, don't be shy about coming forward and blasting it out there because if they're not already fans letting them in on the offer is one sure way to earn to earn a new like and generate extra sales and the third thing you can do is you can offer in-store customers a small discount if they like your business it's a good way to build loyalty and encourage repeat business with your most loyal customers as well as generating word of mouth when they talk about you to their friends. You need to be thinking beyond driving people to your store. You need to really think of once they're in the store, engaging them and thinking of fun ways to get people to post pictures. 
and to get your customers emotionally committed to you. Maybe you can do videos in store and whack them up on YouTube. You know, have some sort of a competition or get them to do zany things or whatever. But um, Facebook can be your business's best friend. Thank you, Jenny. A copy of a book that I wrote along with Brian Tracy and Jay Conrad Levinson called Marketing Magic will be sent to you tomorrow. I hope that you enjoyed enjoy reading it as much as we enjoyed putting it together. The final email this week comes from Alexi Snowden from Phoenix, Arizona. Alexi's email says, Bob, can you give me some tips on how to conduct an effective workshop at my office? What I would like to do is address each of the areas of the business on a weekly basis. What do you think? Well, Alexi, I think it is a great idea. By getting your staff involved in addressing issues that are facing the business, you know, you get them to own the solutions that they come up with and they will implement them much more enthusiastically, better and faster than if you dictate them from the top. So the first thing to do is to put up a board in wherever you're holding it and pick the topic to be addressed. Then ask everyone in the group to write down three issues concerning that topic, three things that are a problem, and then the solutions to solve that problem. If you have 10 people in the room, you now have 30 issues and 30 solutions. Write down all of those leads on the whiteboard and clarify anything that isn't clear. Now you get everyone to look at the board and write down the top three ideas and solutions from the total list of 30. Then ask each person to stand up and discuss their top three choices, why they think they're important. At the end, all the people in the room should rate and agree on the top three solutions that have been put in by everyone. Each person should now think about how they can integrate these three ideas into the work that they do in the next week and they should be written on the board. Once the meeting is over, write a memo memorialising the steps everybody intends to take. Before you begin the meeting the following week, of course on a different segment of the business, review the actions everybody took and the results of what they did. If you repeat this process through all of the various areas of your business, week in, week out, and then review them week in, week out, you can watch your profits, staff morale and enthusiasm continue to skyrocket. It really does make a difference. Thank you, Alexi. A copy of my latest bestseller, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, audiobook will be sent to you tomorrow. I hope that you learn as much from listening to it in the car as I learned from writing it. Let me remind you of a couple of things. If you've missed any of the shows that we've brought to you since 2011, then you can go to Voice America Business Archives and listen to any of the shows, or preferably go and listen to all of the shows. They're all great. And listen to literally hundreds of great interviews with the top movers and shakers in America and across the world in all sorts of topics. So if you're a regular listener to the show, and you're benefiting from the advice that my guests and I give you each week, please tell your friends to listen. Go to my website at bobbritchard.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. Send in your questions. Email me at bob at bobbritchard.com. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and don't forget to be my friend on LinkedIn. I hope you've enjoyed the show. We're pleased to be bringing you this show since 2011. We're coming up on our 100th show. It's a heap of fun bringing it to you, and I'll be with you at the same time next week, no matter where you are in the world, to address the critical issues that affect small business everywhere. So thanks for listening to the Bob Pritchard, no bullshit business radio show for entrepreneurs on Voice America Business. And remember, if you're serious about being successful, this is the place to come every week at exactly the same time. This is Bob Pritchard. I hope you have a great week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.